Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we have beer in our jeans. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys. And this week we are reading Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides, and I'm starting with this beverage, which you might be surprised to know is a beer. And it is from Finback. They haven't sent also us a Also a surprise. And, yeah, so shocker, right? They haven't, after uh, Ask Obs of Auschwitz, they haven't told us not to use their beer anymore. No, it hasn't been long <laughs> enough for them to say no. It hasn't even been 24 hours. <laughs> not, well, not by the time this episode comes out. Um, Definitely. This is called Archipelago Breeze. It is a pilsner with apricot and lemon zest. Coming out at a manageable 5.4% alcohol. And is uh, quite, quite nice on a hot, hot day. And uh, you know it's it's quite hot in Greece, which features a lot of islands, aka an archipelago, and up uh, and uh, the Peloponnesus or whatever the fuck that thing is called, the Peloponnesus, the Peloponnesus, Pelican a, Pelican Penis, Pelican Penis. It's like a corkscrew. So I bought this. Um, I don't really love pilsners, frankly, but I was like, some days it's just too goddamn hot to drink a. 12% alcohol stout made with Oreos or something. So this is, this is a great beer for that. And it is, you know, super crisp and clean, which is a nice little hint of, uh, of some fruitiness in there. So there it is. So Middlesex came out in 2002, Nate just reminded me. It won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction and is by far the most famous book. Well, maybe not by far, but the most famous book by its author, Jeffrey Eugenides, Actually, it's, uh, I looked it up because I don't understand Greek names, and they're all insane. It's eugenides, like eugenics. Well, I... <laughs> well, whatever well, helps you, you remember. You, you as the prefix is good, but um, like euphoria. Um, I first read this book in college with a teacher. It was like intro to literary theory was the class. So we were this really wide sampling of books, but every single book had something to do with Greece because the professor was Greek. Like she was, wow. like her name was, I don't know, something very stereotypically Greek, like Hoppa Helen Papadopoulos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she said Eugenides, so I, that's what I oh. heard. But. I, mean, I heard an interview with him and the, guy, the interviewer called him that and he wasn't like, uh, no. But maybe because he's tired of correcting people, so who the fuck knows? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's not like it's my life goal. We'll just to call do him, so, but I just don't really hang out with a lot of Greek people. So we'll I don't just really call him a uh, Jeffrey Greeky boy, <laughs> uh, Greek Greasy Jeff, and uh, <laughs> and uh, any whatever the fuck his name is. Um, super successful book has sold millions of copies. Probably helped by the fact that it was uh, selected at one point to be an Oprah's Book of the Month or whatever the hell that's called. Oprah's Book Club. Oprah's Book Club. Almost as popular as the Drunk Guys Book Club. She actually took the name from us. It's true. Yeah. We, we invented the concept of a book club. <laughs> Trademark. Um, oh, it's too late. Uh, they so were just very called successful. reading groups before then. <laughs> Bitch fests. So it's his most famous book. He only has written one other novel since in the near 20 years. and It's called The Marriage Plot. And his other famous book is The Virgin Suicides. Which was 10 years before this one. Yeah. Was it 92? I thought it was like mid, mid, or mid to late 90s, like 96 or something like that. 97. Oh, but whatever. It was a long it's, time. He takes a while to put... He, he writes uh, short stories. He has a short story collection out, and he publishes, they're published in like the New Yorker and stuff like that every so often. But this is his, this is his big, big kahuna, and it is a big book. It's like 550 dense pages. Yes. Yeah. Like This was the second and a half time I've read it, and yeah. I was 
skimming, not trying to skim, but like trying to read fast. Like I remember the plot. What is second and a half? Like you finished it twice and this was the half? Uh, I read it, I've read it like a half time in the college class. Okay. And then later, yeah, I just read like the parts that we needed to know for the class. And then I actually read it a full time like a year or two later. And I was like, that book was actually pretty good. And now I have time. And then this time I read it. I actually didn't quite finish it this time, but I will. It'll average out to about two. Yeah, I mean, I know the gist. I do have thoughts on it. I believe in Greek it's pronounced yeast. <laughs> yeast. Like instead of yeast. Gy- instead of gyro, it's gyro. Gyro, yeast. <laughs> uh, so in that same interview that Jimmy sent us yesterday, uh, the Jeffrey, wh- whoever you say Greeky boy. <laughs> Greeky boy. Greasy Said Jeff, that, you know, he was... He was thinking when he his concept for the novel was well, it was like how do you make how do you write a different book? How do you push the novel forward? I think is the phrase that he used, and it's like well, some people have tried stupid things like using no punctuation at all or having the entire book be one sentence, and he was like, oh, all those are really pretty stupid and already been done. So he's like, well, you got to make the content of the book different, and so he decided to make a book about a hermaphrodite from their point of view, like first person, uh, and then telling the story about how that happened. Uh, and, and that was sort of his concept of the novel. He, was, he, re- he wrote several versions that were third person, and he found that it didn't work, or he didn't like it. So it was like, oh, I've got to do something about this. Because I, I was starting off, because he found this particular genetic thing where it starts off as a girl and ends up being a boy, though you're still genetically a boy. And he said he didn't want to start off saying, like, she, 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 and then sometime at some point switch to he out of, you know, just like, okay. Or he said as the dreaded S slash he, he didn't want to do any of that. And so he said, all right, I'll do it from the first person. And then it Mm. was kind of like a problem where once he realized that it was going to be a much bigger book. It wasn't just going to be just about this one person. It was going to be this, this multi-generational epic, epic, basically, uh, that how do you tell those parts of the story from a first-person perspective book? And he's like, well, I'm just going to fucking do it. Who cares? I mean, he said a little more eloquently and with a little more literary stuff, but it <laughs> boiled down to, I'm just going to do what I want. So I have a first-person, omniscient, third-person narrator. And frequently, the, the narrator, uh, Cal, does say, like, I don't really know too much about the details of what happened in this thing, so I'm just going to fill in what I think sounds right and cool, and it's probably like that. Or, like, I'm going to get inside my dad's head, and this is what he was thinking, probably. Yeah. So Cal has a thing for drama, dramatizing these events, some of which are extremely dramatic and harrowing, but... Cal, and I'm now, you made me very self-conscious about using which pronoun for Cal. Um, it he depends. or she, uh, and just he, because Cal is the narrator. It's the guy at this point. He is living as a, a man, his male form, whatever you want to say. He looks at these events and, and, he, and he tells the story in, in, in an interesting way, right? He's not just saying like, and then my grandmother met this, but it's like, it's super dramatic. And I think one of the things that makes this that ties this book to like Greek drama and Greek, you know, epic poetry and stuff like that. There's a lot of different allusions and things in there um, to, I mean, not even just allusions, like directly referencing like the Antigone or Mm -hmm. directly referencing Homer or whatever. Well, Calliope is, as they say, 
the Greek muse of epic poetry, and also the musical soundtrack to any horror circus movie. It's a fucking awful instrument. It's like a pipe organ that inhaled helium, is what a calliope sounds and like. And it's it sounds like it's constantly just about to break. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're rickety instruments. So wheezy. So we, the, the book goes back and forth in time as, as um, Cal reflects on things. But basically, Cal says that this is the story, not necessarily, it's not Cal's story. It's not even Cal's family's story so much as it's the story of this gene, this mutation. And I forget exactly what it is, but something uh, five. Five alpha reductase deficiency. Which apparently is real, because when I skimmed the Wikipedia article just now, I saw that that was a link. So I don't know what it means, but that's apparently a real thing. I mean, he came up with it when uh, he was looking, he wanted to do a book about hermaphroditism of some kind, but he didn't know. But he wanted it to be scientifically accurate. So he went and looked in medical libraries and found a bunch of them and like, blah, 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 what's this, what's this one? And he found this one in the book. He's like, I could do that because it had the most dramatic like change where it's like someone presents as a girl until uh puberty and then suddenly they just become a boy it's that's what this or a man yeah become a man yes (laughs) (laughs) and they have their bar mitzvah then they become a man yes but this is what actually happens and it the other ones that he looked at were like someone has XY chromosomes, they are genetically male, but they only present as female for their entire lives. And a lot of like models have this uh, thing because they end up being tall and like, you know, interesting looking and having giant boobs. But mm. they are genetically male, but there's no transformation there. So it didn't, it didn't fit his, what he was going for. Well, metamorphosis and transformation is a theme throughout the whole book. As well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So I think we were, as we said, there's just too much book there's too to much do book. in even our way as we surfacely describe shit. But and we should go through the, the gist there's of just the plot. There's constant things going on. I mean, like, really, there is so much plot to this. It, it, I want to say, because both I really liked it, but it is not slow. I mean, there is just always stuff going on. It is a relentless so, onslaught of information. Yeah. We're not of information, of just stuff happening. Of, of words, but of good words. Oh, so one of the, the best, best words. Ever read. Yeah, really, <laughs> really good. So anyway, um, uh, it starts out with the grandparents' generation, Cal's grandparents, and it's the story about of, of growing up in uh, Turkey, but they're Greek, but they live on the sort of uh, Mediterranean side or Aegean side of Turkey, and they're... Uh, they live in a little village. Their parents are already died in a war, and then there's just and they're they're one year apart. They uh, basically the the grandfather whose name's Lefty. Uh, he, We're not going to try to say his real name. <laughs> yes, and I'm going to say it. Combination of all vowels and Fs and Ls. It's yeah, you you for the Ls. It's pronounced Yanni, probably, but I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, they, he was called Lefty for for most of the book. He's like they're like he's you know he and his sister are both like early twenties and he, and it's like well I and there are no girls in the village or there are two girls in the village oh, of marital age but they're one's both got ugly. a mustache and one's a smelly bitch one smells really bad and he just can't I, I'm impressed for Greek women a hundred years ago only one had a mustache 
They do bring up the Greek woman mustache thing in this book more than once. The Greeks Several people times, yeah. are known as a, as a hirsute group of people. <laughs> you know, in the, in just the I few think minutes you mean of the fursuit. <laughs> in in just the last few minutes, most Greek people you know have grown a full beard. Like they are immensely <laughs> that's intensely both, hairy both people. sexes. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember this guy I work with who's Armenian, which is close enough. Uh, he 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 like normally is clean shaven and then someone's kid came up to me when i had my little wimpy shitty beard that i grow and he's like oh your beard is bigger than his like dude that guy can grow a beard by just like squinting really hard that will put mine to shame and he was just like and that's just the women in my family <laughs> <laughs> all right so lefty uh has a secret interest though but he, but you know, he and his sister have always been very, very close their entire lives. They've actually always slept in the same room. Uh, but at uh, but this so this is 1922, and the Greek uh, Greece has just tried to basically gain its independence by breaking away from the British slash. Ottoman Empire. Well, the Ottoman Empire has collapsed, but I think the British already owned Greece at this time. But anyway, so, but there's a rebellion, and because the Greeks are, have, like, totally forgotten about Alexander, they, like, really suck, and they're being invaded by the Turks. And so, <laughs> and so, uh, he, he, uh, so Lefty and Desdemona. Desdemona have to like basically you know, flee the their Mac. homes, <laughs> flee flee their home, and they're like, "We're just gonna go to America, where uh, our cousin Shit, Lena or something like that, Sir Melina, Sir Melina, Sir Melina yeah. lives ah uh, in this town called Detroit." But and so they like go. They have a pretty harrowing journey. And do you, you know. think that on the journey they have a beer? Oh, I think they have two actually, because I have one. Too. <laughs> This can apply to pretty much the whole book. Uh, but this is from Grimm, and this is called Utopos, which Ooh. is Greek. For no such place. A place where you can fuck your sister. <laughs> We're <laughs> getting to that. <laughs> and this is a pilsner with motuka hops. Motuka. Motuka. Also, things were looking quite grim. You know, think of the, the guy who clearly the was time. Armenian, Dr. Philobasian. The Armenian whose family was slaughtered, and he is the worst doctor. But he went when he was um, helping someone, right? Oh, he but but he was trying to get his letter to show that he had treated um, Mustafa Kemal. Yeah, Kemal for his like raging alcoholism. <laughs> that Kemal was just plastered all the time and had and died of cirrhosis apparently. <laughs> and he treated him, and he got like a letter, like a participation award, like I treated this guy. Don't murder me and my family. But the troops were illiterate, so they murdered and murdered his family. And he said they uh, cut off three of his daughter's four breasts, which is a weird detail. It was a very weird detail. I mean, first, obviously, and like the horrible things that happened in that family, because the son who answers the door gets um, bayoneted and then like tossed aside like a bale of hay. You know, it's like, pretty, pretty brutal. Would you say it was grim? I would. That's what I was getting. It's grim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good beer. It's it's pretty. It's a pilsner, but it's it's got a little bit more flavor than an average pilsner. The motuka uh, should give it a more. It's, it's got a it's got a, kind of flavor. a little bit more. It's not great. Like if basically if they just added a fuckload more of motuka, it would just be an IPA. I guess I'm making that up, but that might be actually how it's done. But it's a uh, it's not bad. It's it's quite a bitter aftertaste. 
but I don't know what the fuck they called it Utopos for, but it fit this book, so I bought it. It does. Well, I have a beer here. This is called, uh, this is from Evil Twin NYC, and it's called, I have never ever been to the Statue of Liberty or Staten Island, and that certainly describes them at the start of the book, and they do at some point see the uh, Statue of Liberty. And this is a double dry hop triple IPA with Citra and Motuka. Ooh. Ooh. Let's see how good our descriptions are. Even Motuka? Motuka Mo Problems, (laughs) as as they say in the brewing world. My beer for later. Also has Motuka. God damn it. If only we were Is together. Motuka Greek or something? <laughs> that, I don't fucking know. Maybe it is. It's got a K in it. <laughs> Motuka. You gotta like <laughs> make a funny sound there that I can't do. Sorry, Greek people. Yeah, this is delicious. I mean, 10%. This is a, a much bigger beer than the Pilsner that you had. Or oh, yeah. This is only 5.3. A child's drink. A child's breakfast drink. <laughs> That's what I use to wash down brunch. So um, this is wonderful. This is a wonderful triple IPA. I don't really know what it has to do with the Statue of Liberty. It doesn't taste like old pennies or something, but, you know, whatever. So they travel to America, but on the way there... Wait, hold on. We should also say that this beer is brought to us by our awesome patrons over at Patreon. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. If you're interested, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Club. Where you could, you could, in exchange for modest amounts of money, one, have the satisfaction of supporting this podcast, and two, get all sorts of perks, such as... Every month, helping us pick a book in our monthly book poll. Also, uh, early access and special patron-only bonus content. Yeah. And starting in September, you can participate in our read-along series of Don Quixote. And, uh, and who doesn't want all of those things? You certainly want them more than you want to fuck your sister. So, this, I mean, that's... I would, <laughs> let's, get, let's get back to maybe, this part here. Or at least the same amount. So, <laughs> one of the things that, uh, you know, that happens very quickly is Desdemona tries to hook Lefty up with the other village girls, the one who smells like onions, and the one who, <laughs> the one who has uh, like a 1980s cop mustache. But it doesn't work. And he basically says, I want to, I want to bang you. I want to marry you. And he but even like, at one point... Jokingly. Goes, but like when you joke to like sen- get a sense of you know if that's cool, <laughs> so you get like I was only kidding. But if they go for it, you're like thank God, you know. Like when you uh, joke with your wife and you're like right, like who'd put it in the butt? And then they're like uh, no one. You're like I know those people are silly. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Going Greek. Oh man, there's a theme. But he convinces her when like the entire city of um, Smyrna, Smegma. What was what was the city called? Smyrna. Smyrna, when Smyrna is burning because the Turks or whoever, just the, the Greek army has abandoned them and the Turks are burning it to the ground. He's like, if we live, you'll marry me. And she's like, sure, whatever, because we're not definitely, definitely not going to live, dude. But shocker, they do. Because she also kind of, she also has a thing for him. It's not just a one way thing. They're both weirdos. Yep. Well, yeah, she goes along with it pretty quickly. So <laughs> they, they they managed to basically make it onto the boat with like the rest of the refugees and the boat is going to America. And or they like basically on the voyage to America, they get on. And when they get on, they pretend they don't know each other. And then they pretend to meet on the boat. And then like, you know, five, six days later, you know, Lefty proposes 
And then they bang in the lifeboat. And they go bang in a lifeboat every night. And then and everybody watches and says, wow, it's so cool to be young and married, which is weird. The captain does. He's like, ah, to be young. Good thing I put in those cameras. <laughs> <laughs> but when, he, when they land at, at uh, Ellis Island, the captain, like, the captain kind of wakes them up in the boat. And they're like, I'm sorry, captain, it won't happen again. He's like, that's totally cool. I already got off. But you're gonna, you won't get a chance because look, you're in America, and they're like, "Quick, let's start a diner." <laughs> uh, no, that happens. That, that they take happen. a couple decades. It does happen? But they do start a diner. Uh, <laughs> but they they get picked up at Ellis Island. No, no, they they um, they go to they then transfer to the train to Detroit because that's where their cousin lives, and so they go. I almost call her aunt just because Cal or Calliope. The whole book calls her Aunt Sormelina. But anyway, Sormelina picks them up and they say immediately, don't tell. Please don't tell. And she's like, that's cool. First of all, doesn't Sormelina sound like an Italian cookie? Like that doesn't, that sounds like, or like an more exotic like type a, of pasta. More like a dessert. There is something similarly named, whatever it is. Well, semolina is a type of bread. Oh it's yeah, that's of, what it is. Type yeah. of flour or whatever. Uh, so, but she is perfectly happy to keep their secret because she has a pretty big secret of her own. And that she doesn't like to eat the the souvlaki as much as the pita bread, if you know what I'm saying. She's not into the tzatziki. She's into the the titties. <laughs> I don't really. Have. <laughs> she's she's a closeted lesbian. She's gay, and, and yeah, it's 1924 or whatever. So so definitely. But she is married to Jimmy Zismo, yeah, inventor of the gizmo. <laughs> <laughs> To Jimmy Zismo, who is basically a very uh, who, tan who married man. her, very tan, very dark, uh, and only married her because he got a good dowry. You know, and he's way older, and she was like, "I will marry literally anybody to not live in this shitty village where the only women have mustaches and smell like onions." I gotta get out of here. <laughs> she had the same problem as Lefty. Yeah, so she marries Jimmy Zismo. And she kind of, at one point, right, she says, like, I don't really mind him. I'll bang him every so often. Like, whatever. I get to, like, it's when they go see the play. When they see the, min, the play, the Minotaur. Yeah. Which is when they ultimately get pregnant. But Where everybody gets pregnant because they're so yeah. turned on by a Minotaur. Yeah, man. Well, it was actually <laughs> all of the Greek chorus girls, scantily clad Greek chorus girls, is what. Uh, That's what they say. But it was definitely that Minotaur. It made them <laughs> horny. Because it was basically, it's also <laughs> part of the you know foreshadowing is you know Minotaur is a a genetic freak you know it is like half man half bull. It's weird that it's the top and it's like it's like the top third and like the bottom quarter. It's not like a even half. Like the man part is just sandwiched in the middle. The manwich of a creature. Well, to be fair, we've never seen his balls, and those could be man parts too. Like it could be more like speckled, like a like it's like a, like a Dalmatian sort of. You know, there's like I mean, if it's just little hairy, bits of man, it could just be a regular Greek dick. It's just a Greek guy who has oddly shaped ears. He's like a Greek <laughs> Vulcan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things when I when I look at our our rankings on podcast uh, ranking things will occasionally appear and like, ooh, we're number 14 in books in Ghana. Uh, I wonder how we'll do in Greece when this episode <laughs> comes out. <laughs> They'll be like, I can't hear it through all the hair in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
so that yeah so then um uh, gets but jimmy zismo is like a rum runner he is yeah. a I mean, it's prohibition so it's, like, it's, it's prohibition so he's he's a bootlegger oh man so, speaking of he, prohibition oh i have a beer because i like ironing this is temperance from wild <laughs> east <laughs> It is a dark, mild ale. I don't know what that means, but it is dark. Interesting. It's kind of like one of those black lagers, I guess, but it's an ale. But it's got that kind of, um, it's got kind of a smoky feel, like kind of like old cigarette. Mm, that sounds appetizing. <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad as as that. I mean, it's it's, it's okay. It's surprisingly, but the, like the taste, the flavor I get is like that really like ro- really roasted kind of malt where it tastes like almost smoky so i don't know what a mild ale is but it is a dark one that's also a style of beer that you don't see ever anymore old school you know it's probably just in that middle range of like pilsners and kolsch's where it's like this is what this is and they all kind of taste like this so they don't bother well pilsners and kolsch's are lagered so this would be probably a little more flavorful a little more interesting because of the lagering process has to clean up the, pr- the flavor profile but yeah, temperance. Oh, it's only 3.5%. Garbage. That is <laughs> very temperate. My breath is more than that right now. <laughs> so the Ziz runs, uh, runs is he, booze. Is he related to Dr. Zizmore? Is he really, like, is that? He is a ancestor of Dr. Zizmore, yes. <laughs> Which is an outside, it's a New York joke that no one else will get. And that guy retired now. It's really unfortunate. He's done now. All of our skin is fucked. <laughs> he's a famed subway dermatologist which is exactly what it sounds like he only treats you on the l train i mean <laughs> he i i don't know that he doesn't well he doesn't do anything anymore the guy's retired so that one stock photo of the before and after acne treatment you saw on the on the train advertisement for 20 years is that's 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 all we can go on all right, so Zismo and he employs Lefty because Lefty is useless and can well, only speak works like two the, words uh, of English. He works at the Ford factory for a minute, but they fire him basically for being Greek. Yeah, they fire him for being friends with Zismo, for being acquaintances with Zismo. He has less than reputable friends, but also they they uh, this apparently was the old days when the company would send people to send uh, other people to their employees' houses to make sure that they know how to live. Like, here's how to brush your teeth. You know, it seems really patronizing, and it is, but also there might have been just a drop of good intention in there to be like, hey, these are poor people from the unwashed masses of Greece, you know, like, they're, we need to show them the American way. It's definitely not cool, but I don't know yeah. if it was meant as purely, like, eugenic, whatever the fuck it is, like, in a eugenics, like, we must preserve the purity of our race kind of way. Well, they As never, it comes off to us today. They never asked about fucking sisters. So, I mean, they really <laughs> yeah, missed right. the important stuff there. Well, to yeah. Henry Ford, he was just like, are you a Jew? Like, that's <laughs> all he really cares. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> that's, that's bigger concern. pretty much it. That had one of my favorite passages in the book. Um, and we should talk about this at the end. But um, the writing quality is f- phenomenal in the book. And it just has so many different kinds of paces and things that happen. But there's the passage at the Ford factory where he keeps repeating the phrase, like, Lefty buffers the ball at bearing, and this guy, Where's Bicky, loads it, and oh, that was like an Irish name, like O'Malley or something, like, to really like, get the rhythm of the factory life, you know, where 
know what I'm talking about? That part I'm talking yeah. about where there's yeah. the assembly line. It, can, it kind of it says it says that like every few sentences, in a way that didn't seem like too forced and cute. But you know, he does like a cool job of emulating the the feel. Or I guess Cal does a good job of emulating the feel of the factory, where Lefty ultimately runs afoul of his coworkers by working too fast. And yes. They like shit on his stuff or something. They they cut his belt, his conveyor belt, not his pants belt. His sister really like... does that. <laughs> she does a lot more to his belt. But after they have a kid, uh, Desdemona is suddenly like, "Oh no, this was a mistake. I shouldn't have. We shouldn't have done this. We're going to be punished." A bunch of stuff happens. Uh, <laughs> Lefty like goes into the uh, bootlegging business with Zismo, Doctor Zismo. Dr. Zismore. And then, <laughs> but there's, as, as they're in the middle of the night, driving across the ice of Lake Michigan to pick up a delivery, there is like an accident or like they get attacked or something. And the, the car like sinks through the ice and uh, Jimmy Zismo dies. Jimmy accuses is, Lefty of, him, fucking his of, wife. of making, of being the father of his baby. Right, because so his wife's not babies. into him very much, so it's like, maybe it's you. So, well, it's like, yeah. Because Zizmo has all sorts of crazy health ideas. You know, he's like, you got to eat asparagus to, you know, have your hair strong. You know, that was like called a being a doctor mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, well, there is at least one, and we always come back to this. There is at least one mention of the humors in this book, and it's with Jimmy Zizmo saying, like, you got to, she's got too much whatever. Uh, too much black bile. Like, oh, yeah, if a, if a mother has too much bile, uh, her child will end up being a dick or something. I don't know. Happened to him. But then <laughs> he he has the idea, like, you can't have a kid. I've only fucked my wife once in five months. There's no way that my old shitty dried up jizz did it. Well, he also believed in saving up his jizz so that when he did it, it would be very powerful. There's something to that to a degree. And then not, there's not for diminishing that length returns. Of <laughs> yeah, you're not going to turn to Peter North, but he uh, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't build continually, like, yeah, a, like, like a dog that like their balls just keep growing until they do that. Which I don't know if that's a real thing or I just saw that Van Wilder. Yeah, that was Van Wilder. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd have like elf elephantitis balls, just like you can't put pants on anymore. Just <laughs> giant ball. Oh boy. So um, that's science. He basically, you, you think he dies. Everyone thinks he dies. They have a funeral for the guy. Um, for Zismo, and he, you know, as his car sinks in Lake Michigan, and then Jimmy Zismo opens up his speakeasy, no, and then does Lefty, Lefty, sorry, he doesn't, yeah, sorry, yeah. Lefty, and then um, Jismo uh, is dead, and Desdemona has to get a job eventually. I forget why. Mm-hmm. Lefty's like pissed off at they, her. They, so had, a, they had an argument, but basically, Lefty wasn't getting any action at home, so he was like just working all the time, uh, and then. Then he's like, but I'm working on, they have this big argument, like, you have to get a job, you know? And he's like, but who's going to take care of the kids? And so she gets a job, and she answers this ad for, like, basically uh, people making silk. And she's like, I know how to do this. It was this what is she what did. I used she, to do. She, in the old country, she, she worked as a silk farmer, and he was the silk merchant. And she was unable to bring her silk worms to the new, to the America, because that was listed as a... Uh, you know, not contagion, but like, uh, you know, not allowed to bring those over. You still can't do that. Don't tell him. That's why they don't, they don't check everyone's anus, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get those good silkworms. 
And that's one of the other themes of the book is, is transformation and metamorphosis. And the silkworm is a great symbol of that. And it comes back again and again and again through the book. And she gets a job working. Now, this is one of my favorite parts. I can't believe this is possibly true. (laughs) There's like a shred (laughs) of truth to this. She works for the Nation of Islam making silk. And that was kind of a thing. And and the guy guy was the real guy. And the guy who led it, his name was like... He had he had many names like W D Fard Mohammed W D forty and Ward uh, variations there Cleaver because he was not it was a fake name and Nation of Islam is basically like Black people Mormonism it's just like all kinds of crazy shit they believe that the moon was formed when a nuclear explosion broke off part of the Earth well actually the moon was formed when something hit the Earth and it part. Flew off and became the moon, but it it was a nuclear explosion recently. It's close though. (laughs) It's not as far off as thinking the Lord Zenu put your soul in a volcano (laughs) and shot it with a seven a missile from his seven forty seven. They also have the thing about the uh, white people were created by a mad scientist. Oh, he like bred. Yeah, he bred the uh, the the lightest color black people, which is kind of just like almost, you know how it happened but sped up and there was no mad scientist it did make me think of those people who and there's people on both sides of this for some reason i I don't really give a fuck at all but like were the egyptians black or were the egyptians white and like they're probably semitic people but whatever and you know like they looked like they're from the levant they're probably middle eastern like a nice caramel macchiato color but they you're not gonna you're not gonna make it very far in egypt if you're really white you will get a sunburn every day but then people there are many people who are really really eager to prove because egypt is one of those you know it's like the first really great civilization because no one gives a shit about mesopotamia it seems and no one figured out triangle buildings before or since (laughs) so it was alien yeah definitely but there's like a it's a if you go on amazon and you look up like an egypt book you look through the related, you know, people also bought. You won't look far till you get like a thing that's published in a dude's garage that's really just like like Glenn Beck, uh, Alex Jones level crazy, where it's just like the black Egyptians definitive proof by Professor whatever his name. And you see the guy has like a chiropractor degree. And that's Professor <laughs> Zizmore. <laughs> exactly. That's what he retired to do. So that, that passage made me think of that. But basically, you find out that it is not, and everyone's like, oh, he's, he's, he's half black, half white, he's well, whatever. He, he says he's half black, half white. But then it turns out it's just Jimmy Zismo <laughs> in his latest <laughs> harebrained scheme. And then I mean, he vanishes. It's a great con. I mean, it's, it's still around today. <laughs> Dude, that real guy, whatever, F. Murray Abraham, whatever his name was, the guy who was the head of the nation <laughs> of Islam. It's not him. <laughs> it was not Amadeus. It wasn't Salieri. People Nobody also believe, knew. there's also people who argue that uh, Mozart and Beethoven were secretly black. That's bullshit. I mean, yeah, they were fucking Austrian. <laughs> <laughs> not many black Austrians at that time. But it's not a zero percent chance. But all right, so whatever his name actually was in, in real like F. Ward Abraham Muhammad the first. He nobody knows what happened to that guy in real life. He's just like this figment. There's like there's pictures of him, and he lived and did some shit. No one knows when he was born, when he died, what his real name was. He's just this like thing that pops in and then disappears. That's it was fascinating. definitely Jimmy Dis- Jimmy Dismo. It was a dark of tan Greek guy 
just <laughs> bullshitting people because he didn't want to live with his lesbian wife. That's <laughs> <laughs> holy shit. That's that's imp- impressive. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's a lot more that happens. Yeah, we got to hurry. Actually, <laughs> we really okay. A ton of stuff happens. So we'll just kind of skip ahead to the next generation at this point. Uh, we'll boldly go there. So, um, mm. Lefty and Desdemona, they have a son named Milton, who, and then Jimmy Zizmo, though he's dead, and now the, uh, they're have, and who's their cousin, you know, Sor Melina, they have a daughter named, well, I call her Tessie most of the book, but their actual, her actual name was... Is it Theodora or Theodosia? Something like Theodora, that. yeah. Anyway, so they, they kind of like grow up together, and then... But they, even though they're cousins, they end up getting married. And there's like a whole big, long, big, you know, there's a lot of story that happens in there where, you know, Milton joins the Navy during World War II when he looks like he's going to die. But then just before he has to have the most dangerous job, he gets, he gets assigned to um, Annapolis. So he actually instead gets shipped from the Pacific back to America. Word with Greek roots. Oh, yeah, very good. Very good, yes. And then while she, well, and so, and then Tessie, even though she's going to marry, she thinks she's actually engaged to Father, Father Mike. Mike. Yeah, who is basically going to be the, the local, the, the priest. She just says, no, she, in watching newsreels, you know, the newsreels during the war, she's like, oh, I was so worried about you, and decides she wants to marry uh, Milton. But they had a weird, flirty relationship, too. And this is where you know you're reading fiction, because he seduced her with the clarinet. And <laughs> it, was the, it was like the 40s or whatever, man. You know, there was, that was, he was a real hip cat. Yeah. <laughs> Benny Goodman. He's playing Artie Shaw lines, but like blowing the clarinet like on her butt cheek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like not well. It's like, what if I play it here? Well, they, didn't in, they hadn't invented vibrators yet. So having a man blow a clarinet on you was really the closest you could get <laughs> yeah so what if he's your cousin that's true it's and, legal to marry your cousin still they looked it up there he's hey, nolte looked it up it's totally cool and but this is you know joking aside, this is where i thought someone would have tried to put their thumb on the scale a little bit more because semolina knows that milton's parents are brother and sister and she knows that she there she's their fucking cousin. Like that's some interwoven shit. They came from a village that did that shit all the time. But they also know that every couple of years, or every couple of generations, there's the stories of the basically intersex person born in the village that was just legend. And none of them they, they conveniently forget it. Well, for this they also they, they they later, much later at the very end, Desdemona says like we didn't know anything. More or less, we didn't know anything about science. We didn't know about how any of this stuff worked. And she called it the consanguinity throughout the book. Yeah, it was just like a, the book. Like a, Which is like a real a thing. Theological thing. Like, a, like she was worried like it was a sinful, but she had no idea that what, what fuck genes were. Yeah. Or heens, as they call them. Yeens. Heens. Yeens. Yes. So anyway, so then. Yenisakis. <laughs> So Milton comes home from the war and they get married. Uh, and then uh, anyway, so they get married and then they have kids. They have one, they have the first child 
which is, he's just called Chapter 11. This is the older son's name. He's just called Chapter 11. That's his name. It, it's not really quite explained why he's called that, but there is actually a clue right at the very, very end of the book why his name is just Chapter 11. Maybe they also just thought it was an American <laughs> name since they're Greek and they wanted to assimilate. We already uh, have enough Gus's <laughs> and Nick's in the family. <laughs> but then they, all, then they have a second child, which is Calliope. And, and so this our... is where you get the first sort of like, really first person, well, not the first, but, you know, the earliest, earliest part of the story of Cal from his slash her own perspective. And so the first half her of the Her at the beginning. She's a girl. So yeah. everyone, so everyone thinks it's a girl. Dr. Philobosian, who was already like, you know, 75 years old, doesn't do a very thorough examination when the child is born. And so doesn't find something well, he can't. It his is. eyes are shit, and he's just like, yeah. "That looks like a vagina, whatever." Well, he's also he's also flirting with a nurse at the time. <laughs> yes, and the and and then throughout the first you know twelve fourteen years of of uh, Cal's life, you know, the they're so everyone's so uptight about sex that like she didn't even know anything. So it was definitely very confused. And she got her appointment done by him every time, and he's just like, "That's good enough." <laughs> not <the> penis <laughs> but it's like how many <laughs> like what would he have looked for like honestly it, it, when my i have a daughter when she was born they were like that's a baby girl like i don't know what kind it was like a, a three second look they were just like no cock no balls okay girl they didn't open up and they were like let's check it let's take a deep spelunking look in there and see if there's any sort of like tiny you know nascent testicles hanging around the first time, the, when she gets discovered to be what's up, uh, the first time someone even looks at it for a second, they're like, whoa, that's a, <laughs> something's weird here. So it w- apparently, maybe not when she was a baby baby, but sometime in the first 12 years, if you had just looked at it with a uh, 20-20 vision and not, you know, 10% vision, I don't know if, <laughs> if I don't know if 10-100 is better or 110, uh, his shit vision, you would have noticed it. It would have been like, oh, cool, that's, that's fucked up looking. And, you know, her parents, I guess, didn't inspect it because they didn't want to look at it. Well, even says when the father would give her baths, he would not wash there. Yeah. And he'd be like, that's, that. that's your job. They, they can't, he would not they do, can't it. do that. People in his family don't, don't finger relatives. Just kidding. Really? They do. They all do. <laughs> Except they do. Every single one of them. He's like, I don't want to get started. Well, I can't just stop at fingering. That was the problem. <laughs> I'll be all hot and bothered. And then I'm going to have to put down my Spanakopita, and I'm going to have to... You can't put down the Spanakopita. Spanakopita is good stuff. I know, you can't put it down. <laughs> Do you know what that is, Nate? Have you ever had it? Uh, it's the... I don't think I have. Spinach, and, non- spinach and cheese one in the pastry. In the filo dough? Yeah. It's banging. It's, it's, it's excellent. It's a common okay. kind of pastry, hand paste, past thing at like weddings and stuff like Everything that. Everything is either some kind of meat... Or something inside phyllo dough. That's all a Greek food. Also, they will throw like a fish with some yogurt in there. I don't know. <laughs> a fish with yogurt. Yeah, always, always fish oh, with God. yogurt. Well, when you talk about meat, the meat is always lamb or occasionally, I guess, goat. But it's really just it's just lamb. I think that's that's like the good joke. One of the many funny jokes in my big fat Greek wedding. When yeah. the girl introduces the boyfriend, and she's like, oh, he's vegetarian. Then I was like, oh, it's okay. I make lamb. <laughs> like <they're not> even, <laughs> <laughs> That's just food. That's just what you call it. All right. So then um, 
Milton, you know, he serves in the Navy for a while, and it doesn't really matter that much. But then no. he opens his own diner. Shocker. <laughs> he does. <laughs> well, well, lefties, well, lefties like bar is just kind of not doing very well. And so well, prohibition ends. Yeah. Prohibition. So there's ends. no that, need that for it anymore. Also happens. But this is still like the 1950s when Milton is a, an adult and he's like going to take over the business. He's like, pops, we're going to open a diner. Like, and that so is do. a very new idea. <laughs> yes. Which realistically diners were brought here by the Greeks. That's why they still own them all. It's a Greek thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> I'm going to believe you, but no, that's, that's 100% <laughs> not a joke. That's Greek, Greek diners are a thing because like Greek people brought the concept over from Greece. That's why they're still owned by them. All right. I believe you. What with the concept of here, you could have a bunch of mediocre food at any hour of the day. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know exactly what made it Everything comes with but... French fries. <laughs> that's the concept of a diner. <laughs> Yes. You get a little paper cup of coleslaw with your sandwich. You get a a menu with everything you've ever heard of. They can serve any of it at any time. Yeah. I also, I wrote down um, all of Lefty's jobs because there was a a good list. He was an auto worker. Then he was a professional gambler for about a while, like years. Uh, Then he owned the speakeasy. And then when the speakeasy wasn't doing so well, he facilitated the production of car porn. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is just like a he hot lady that like, shit with like next... Asian girls sitting on import cars. <laughs> Except they were not Asian because they didn't allow those in America at the time. Well, well, uh, uh, Asia Minor. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> from Greece. <laughs> they were definitely not minors, though. Maybe, <laughs> but yeah, he just made car porn, and they said that you can still get these pictures from this photographer who did a bunch of other stuff. But no one cares about that stuff. They just like the thing where the lady's leg is, you know, suggesting how the roundness of a fender. And she's like straddling it, and her headlights are its headlights. It's like, oh, okay. It, she names a photographer and said he like did work for the like WPA. So <laughs> I'm actually kind of curious. Don't look if that's don't a look real person, porn, Michael. I mean, that's that sounds pretty boring, dude. I mean, I don't know what get your engine going, but so Milt get you revved up. Milt decides to turn it into a diner. Because Detroit is hopping and everybody's doing good. He also discovers that Lefty has three insurance policies on the place. Oh, yeah, that will be important that, later. That will be important later. And also, the same day that uh, Calliope is born, uh, Lefty has a stroke and for the rest of his life is silent and can just write little messages on a board and just fills his time from being forced into retirement at the diner by taking walks, doing work around the house, and cleaning things. This is after he gambled away his family's savings, right? Yeah. So they sold their house and moved in with the kids. We're jumping ahead. We're going to jump ahead a little bit just because I have a beer for this. But uh, then Lefty, after he has several more strokes, he then dies. But then when Lefty dies, Desdemona basically thinks that she's going to die or that she wants to. She decides to die. She decides to die, which means, actually, she means she's, she decides that she's dying and that she just needs to stay in bed for the next 10 years. She just stays in bed. I have a quote. This is the, the, one of the things I wrote down. A quote from the book. This is Desdemona. The strain of not having to care for anyone aged her overnight. And then she just felt old and sick and like she was dying for, like, the next, like, 
58 years or something like that. Despite every doctor saying, you're perfectly fine, every, you're, I've checked you and you're great. And then she was, after she got a cold, she was like happy looking at funeral arrangements and burial plots. And she liked that. Anyway, this is my beer for Desdemona. This is called, this is from Evil Twin. And this is called, Lately, my wardrobe has shifted to mostly pajamas and, and occasionally sweatpants. <laughs> That's what you would wear if you were in bed, yeah. Yeah, for 10 years. There's another good line that's similar to that, which I remembered years after reading the book because it was just so great. was, years later in her widowhood, when she'd spend a decade in bed trying with great vitality to die, <laughs> she would <laughs> finally agree that those two years between wars a half century earlier had been the only decent time in her life. That's a beautiful sentence. I like that she tried with great vitality to die. This is a triple IPA, 10%. Double, double dry hop triple IPA with milk sugar. And the hops are Citra, Motuka, Wakatu, and Galaxy. I like the word Wakatu. Anyway, this is uh, very nice. It's definitely smooth. It's actually not as sweet as I thought it was. Though I, I want to say the description on the website said just a hint of milk sugar, just a little bit. Because it is still a little bit bitter. But it's still very nice, New Englandy, juicy IPA, and quite strong. One of the uh, things that uh, Jeffrey Grigopoulos said in his interview that I listened to was that he kind of loosely, not the incest part, but the other stuff, based Desdemona on his grandmother, who, when her husband died, decided she's just going to get in bed and give up. And she said, everyone, you know, go pr- pray for me to die so I can be with Papu. And he's like, okay, oh. Grandma. <laughs> and that's what you got it, she yaya. did. Yeah. Lefty had that good dick. I don't know <laughs> to tell you. Well, she got her, she, she, we skipped over, she got her tubes tied so she could bang him without worrying about creating another monster. We also skipped over when they had sex the first time. The grossest sentence I've ever read. When they're on this lifeboat, they've been on the run for weeks at this time, mm. and he took off his underwear, and it says a, quote, mushroomy smell. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, God, I could, like, taste that in the <laughs> air. That's horrible. Oh, that's vile. <laughs> so there's still a ton more that happened. So you get this all this stuff about uh, Calliope's life, and about just not only just growing up as a girl, but she was when she was you know a you know a, a young child she was the prettiest girl like everyone thought she was just so pretty and then she eventually oh yeah because of the riots in Detroit in 1967 the bar i mean the the diner burns down in the riots and there's actually a really entertaining thing about uh you know the father trying to defend it and then in the end it's like oh wait there are three insurance policies on this place. And so And he had already he had already learned that it was worthless. Like he yeah. wanted to sell it, but he was Real estate values had been going down. Uh basically their family becomes rich, like really, really rich because of and because they get all these insurance policies. It's one of several Deus Ex Machina things that happens throughout the plot line, you know, where you're just saved by this amazing thing that you never really could have thought about. Which is probably intentional. Of course, because that's a hallmark of Greek drama. Then they move to the, the like they're like the, the Greek Jeffersons. They move on up to the nice neighborhood. 
where they're not allowed to live. Yeah, so they're like really not. There's sort of you know the real estate industry is like designed to keep people like them from buying the really really nice houses or like in the kind of neighborhoods that they now have the money to live in. They're like supposed to get them out, but this one real estate agent was like, you know, kind of saying yes, but in the back of their minds, they're like, well, the bank will never give them a loan. And then, but the father goes, I'm paying cash because they actually have all this money. He also then bought a Cadillac every single year. So he had a, he had a lot of money. I found this paper some college person wrote because uh, I look up weird stuff. And you can only watch so much porn, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, I get tired. And it's <laughs> about how the house itself, which is called Middlesex, which is like, oh, it's named after the house, not after middle the intersex intersexing and this this paper is about how the house itself is a metaphor for everything that happens in the book and it's my my it's is the perfect example of like you can argue anything in an english class about a book and it's like all right sure that's fine it was like the uh the house is made in the what the, the prairie school which is uh, founded by Frank Lloyd Wright, which is like weird modernistic thing. It was like open concept. Everything's free flowing. There's no doors. And the Prairie School was a way to undo all the influences of Greek and Roman architecture. So by moving into this house, they are effectively ending their Greek influence on their life and becoming full Americans. They're just like, sure, if you say so, lady. You know what? There might be something to that. Is, there probably is, but I would <laughs> never. I would never notice these fucking things. I think for a guy like you, you, Jeffrey Greasy Boy, there's no sentence or word that's there by accident. He took there's like no a detail. decade to write this. So, so if he if he called that if he copied that off the Prairie style, that was not. He was like, I like those houses. There was a meaning to it. Yeah. So I believe that. And a big part of it is like the generations losing their Greek identity. I mean, you could see it with the children, right? The children, uh, uh, chapter 11 and Cal don't speak Greek. They don't know Greek. They only know like the words for like food and private parts, which is what the children of, you know, second or third generation immigrants end up speaking. So they, they shift from being Greek to American. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And it's, there's a bunch of other things like the the house is completely open, so no one... Yeah, what does it say here? Family open floor plan, lack of closets, and play with inside-outside privacy exposure to speak to our protagonist's humiliating medical exams and public scrutiny, but also to his self-acceptance and coming out to love interest, Julie Kikuchi. So it's like... nothing. Kikuchi is her name? Yeah, her Kikuchi. <laughs> but it's like, there's a bunch of other stuff in this, but it's just like, oh, well, I was I forget. I was looking up to see if there was a, if it was a real architect who built this house, and it is, it's not. He made it up for the thing. But the style is a real thing. So, okay, there's a lot more book left, guys. Let's bang yeah. it out. So, uh, so Cal, uh, Calliope, you know, is starting at age like 12 or something like that, goes to an all-girls school, all-girls private school, Plus now that she's out in, this, out in the very wealthy suburbs. And during, during integration, during the, bus, the buses, uh, the, a judge is trying to integrate Detroit schools by bringing white kids in. And so all the white kids, they just go to private school instead. So she's at an all-girls school. But because at this point, Calliope is starting to look a little bit more like a boy, or at least she eventually grows really tall, I mean, really tall for a girl. And then, like, some of the girls are definitely interested in in her. 
because she has all these masculine vibes and they're like, oh, I don't know what's up with you, but I kind of dig it. And Calliope is definitely interested in this one girl who never has a name, is just called The Object. The Obscure Object. The Obscure Object, based on the reference to some movie that I didn't get. But anyway, just called The Object the entire time, or The Obscure Object. And they sort of like become friends, and she's also this really rich girl, but, you know, more all-American. And then, but at the time, and this is like, you know, this is now the mid-70s? Is it 73, 72? She's born in 1960. Like yeah. So, Nate, you were like 40, right, at this time? Yeah, I was already 40, I was already about... <laughs> I was actually pretty close to retirement at that point. So, in the end, she ends up, you know, going out on a vacation and, you know, hanging out with the object and her brother. And... His name was like Jerome or something? Jerome. Like and the least sexy name in... I mean... No, that's Todd. <laughs> Todd could be a, nope. a douche bro. Yeah, but it's still a, it's still a name Jerome for someone is who's an lacking a few like, chromosomes. Jerome is not a cool dude. There's no, no this Jerome there's no, is not like, a cool hunky dude Jerome. He makes uh, much ahead of his time uh, vampire thrillers. So I'll give him that. And he and Callie start so wet. feeling each other up in a cabin, and the object is making out with some other dude. While you know at night. Callie and the object are filling each other up in bed, being exploratory, as I guess 13-year-olds do, which I don't remember that part, but... Well, that's because you usually, <laughs> when we had our sleepovers, you, you, you were asleep for that part, Jimmy. Oh, right. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> that's why you always woke up with, like, cotton mouth. You're like, what happened to me? It's so dry. Ah, my jaw hurts. And it hurts to sit. <laughs> But so in the end, she ends up running because he's going to be, he's like, I'm going to tell everyone that you're feeling each other up because he sees them like touching each other a little bit out on a swing set. And so she bolts, she gets hit by a tractor and, and, and just, just shouts carpet munchers. Yeah. She says it about <laughs> a thousand times. Like, a thousand times. So, <laughs> so Calliope runs away and then like runs into a tractor and then she's brought to the emergency room. And, in, and it's the emergency room doctors who... That tractor messed up your penis. <laughs> turned it into a vagina. What happened here? Uh, the, t- after you know, the emergency room doctors, they like, notice that, like, oh, oh something is, something's very strange here. And then send when you to she a gets out of the hospital, they, they, they send her to a specialist in... <laughs> in uh, a special penis sexologist. <laughs> a sexologist in New York. And stop. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Dick. It's a real thing. <laughs> I'm just picturing his office. Just like charts of dicks everywhere. I mean, honestly, that's kind of what his office actually was. <laughs> no, he was like the super liberal, like, uh, doctor. I mean, he and, you know, he has all these... Is very forward, very much sixties and seventies kind of you know uh, sexual liberation, and I don't know I, I don't know if this doctor existed or not, but I have a feeling he's based on a real person. He's based on a real person, but he is not a real person. I looked that up too because a lot of yeah. these historical like, it takes place alongside a lot of actual historical events where they're just kind of in the middle of it, like the war and the Greek uh, the, the Detroit riots and a bunch of other shit. 
but this is not a real dude, but he is based on a guy who was like this cool, hip sexologist who like did Playboy interviews and and was like a like a late night show guest where it was like, oh, wow, this cutting edge research when I mean, everything he said has now been wildly he's, he was wrong about pretty much everything. But it was a big step in terms penis of just like not show. being like it's the penis cabot show. Penis cabot. <laughs> the technical term dick is penis. He basically they do they do interviews with her where he's like, "You are wait wait I have a beer for okay, this do it penis no, ale <laughs> no." <laughs> so the doctor that does not only does a physical exam but also does a week or two of like psychological exam, like pretty much trying to figure out, like, is this person who has this incredibly rare, you know, uh, incredibly rare thing, are they a girl or are they a boy? Turns out they're XY, that their uh, genotype is XY, but he's raised as a girl. And Calliope at this point is saying, basically writing in a journal, this journal that she knows is going to read, basically saying, oh, I had these crushes on all these boys and basically saying I'm going to be a boy, but then, and he believes it. He has no reason to believe that she would lie, except he kind of did. Anyway, wouldn't it go better if this doctor, wouldn't it be better if he had a brain elizer? Yes, he would. <laughs> <laughs> that, is a, that is a science thing that doctors have, especially penis doctors. Brain elizer, yes. This is Brain Elizer by Finbeck. <laughs> I wanted to buy this. This is a double dry hopped double India Pale Ale. This is this is one of the beers that I made a pilgrimage when I walked down to Finback, Brooklyn and bought mostly fat mango, but then <laughs> bought, then it was like, how much fat mango can I, Were can you I limited carry? by oh, what wait, you can actually physically brain carry? Brain I had to physically carry it. I had to physically carry it all the way back, too. That's why so. you have to get like a wagon or something. No one will bother you. If you're a grown man with a wagon walking down the street, social distancing will not if it's be all, an issue. If it's full of beer, everyone would go, oh, yeah, cool, dude. <laughs> Hipster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, I was like, how much fat mango can I carry? Oh, Brainalizer. That's a cool name. I'm going to have to get that too. Not knowing what book I would use it for, but it's just like, huh. Oh, it works. Put it, put it in the stock. This is a double dry hopped, uh, double India Pale Ale hopped with all the hops. <laughs> That's what it says. It just says all the hops. Okay. And it's 8%. And it is very nice. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely do a you, juicy Finback double, IP, double IPA. It's, an, it's currently analyzing my brain. I think I'm going to have to drink more for it to uh, You should do more research. Effect. <laughs> yeah, more research. So the doctor recommends surgery, like literally recommends. We're going to cut off that like tiny little penis thing you have, and, we also, and we're going to get breast implants, and then you will basically, that way you can be a girl for your whole life. And she was like, what? Oh, by the way, while the parents are meeting with the doctor, Calliope goes to the New York library and looks up, because she did a lot of Latin, looks up what all these terms mean and all these like Latin medical terms. And then she finds out one of them. Oh, that means hermaphrodite. And then in the Oxford English Dictionary says synonym monster. Mm. And Calliope like freaks out. She's like, I am like, and that, that, that is kind of the thing that had the biggest effect. And so... It goes to the doctor, and then they have the meeting with the doctor. Hey, the doctor told us, blah, blah, blah. And, goes, uh. and so Calliope runs away. Her parents go out to see a show, and she steals a suitcase and steals some men's clothes and then goes and, and the rest of her parents' money, or like cash, gets a haircut, gets on a bus to Pennsylvania 
and then hitchhikes to where as in boys clothes and like a, a suit uh, hitchhikes to San Francisco in California and ends up working as a intersex stripper. Yeah, I was going to say burlesque dancer, but that's much more accurate. <laughs> it wasn't a burlesque thing. They just had their she had it her was thing out. More or less a freak show. I mean, it was like this thing that people paid, you know, like a dollar to get in and see the freak show. Kind of, yeah. And there were a whole bunch of interesting, you know, she males or whatever. You know, like people who were like, "Oh, look at this! It's like it looks like this, like a girl, but it's got a cock that would make your one eyes." One was a pre-op transsexual, and the other one was that that disorder. What's it called? Well, I don't know what it's called, but it's where they are genetically male, but their body is immune to male hormones, so they present as female, like those models where they're like just tall and striking looking, and they have big boobs. So they have a dick, though? No. I think they have something in between, but I don't, I don't really know. I mean, everyone's a little different at that way, but they're, they, like, he, he, tried, he tried to make them like medically accurate for all these other things because he felt... Like all the other uh, like old Greek ones, they're all like myths and fanciful, but he wanted it to be more science-based for this book. Well, I never got the impression that he was trying to exploit or no, treat with no. disrespect anybody who no. has these conditions, which in reality exactly must be pretty the opposite. fucking he was terrible to, to live them. with. Which is what the guy running this strip joint was absolutely doing, was exploiting them. And Cal becomes hermaphroditus or something like that. Like real subtle, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, okay, this is this is terrible. But I have a, one more beer. Um, this is called. Do you like cocoa or nut? <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> so if you're watching the show, you have to kind of. Question, what do you prefer? And it is an imperial stout brew with a coconut and toast a coconut from Evil Twin. Sounds amazing. It was. It came out a while ago. I've been holding on to it. And I was like, what, what am I saving this for? I'm not going to do better than that. <laughs> it is, uh, it's wonderful. The coconut is in there. I was a little worried because this is a few months old that the oils and stuff would make it kind of gross. No, no, sir. It's quite delicious. Well, in the end, the freak show strip joint, gets raided by the cops, and she calls home, and her brother is like, yo, I'll come get you. Perfect timing. But dad's dead. Oh! And they go into this whole saga uh, 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 of how... It's like a rap battle? The, the, yeah, the air horns come out. <laughs> and basically, Father Mike, fed up of being chastised by uh, Aunt Zoe all this time, because he married yeah, we Tessa's sister... That he couldn't get the good sister he got the less sister and uh he's like fuck it i'm gonna say that i someone kidnapped her and he says come drop off this money and so milt is like okay twenty five thousand dollars or eight trillion drachma <laughs> <laughs> and then they go on a very unenthusiastic car chase into and then he sees that father mike is trying to run into canada i wrote this down uh he says, but who knew what would happen once he got to canada Canada, with its pacifism and its socialized medicine. Canada, with its millions of French speakers. It was like, like a foreign country. <laughs> <laughs> yep, like a foreign country. Milt has become increasingly like, like all-American, right-wing, like Nixon did nothing wrong. And he says, to hell with the Greeks at one point, at which point all his friends stopped coming over for dinner. 
because the Greeks were doing something silly. It's it getting Germany to pay for everything. Yeah. So they go on this unenthusiastic car chase, <laughs> and Milt drives off a bridge. And he does. For a guy who fucking served in the Navy, he's a really shitty swimmer. I don't think hitting the water, because the, the bridge is like 100 feet over the water, so I don't and he's think... he's still in a car. <laughs> in the car, flying in a car, hitting the water at, you know... He was going 70 miles an hour when he went over the, over the, over the railing. So he's probably going very fast anyway. It's not a surprise that he died. Anyway, and then Cal, she ends up going back to her parents because, you know, the place got raided. And, you know, and this is like the very last couple of pages of the book. And he's like, hi, mom. You know, I'm, I'm Cal now. I'm a boy. And she's like, cool, whatever. like, well... Like, okay. As long as you're still Greek. <laughs> and it's the day of her father's funeral, but she doesn't go. She stays with Desdemona. And Desdemona is like, Calliope? What happened? And then tells her. And then in that part, in this like last, this is like the last couple pages of the book, Desdemona tells her, oh, yes, Lefty was my brother. That's, a, that's why this happened. It's my fault. And you can tell it as soon as I'm dead. The end. Well, then um, Cal stands, uh, she stands guard, or he stands guard at this point, at the yep. door, which is a Greek tradition, after a funeral, to, to bar their spirit from re-entering the house. And Cal does this traditional male job for the family. Yes, indeed. And then afterward, uh, Chapter 11 takes over the family hot dog stand business, and it goes into bankruptcy really fast, which I think is how he got his name Chapter 11, although uh-huh. that's never spelled out. But he had invented something smart with hot dogs. He was like, he, he had figured out if you, like, because they had the Hercules hot dog stand for a while. He figured out how to cut yeah. them so that when you cook them, they would bend in weird ways. It, it, was, it was like, I just want to increase the surface area of this hot dog, <laughs> which is actually what Cal wanted to do to their own hot dog. But he was like, let's just, let's just cook more hot dogs faster. And like, that's the American way, boy. I wrote down the thing about uh, the... While we're on the subject, was I the only one who was shocked by those old ballpark ads with their shots of red franks swelling and lengthening? Where were the censors? <laughs> Did anyone <laughs> yeah, notice the expressions on too. mother's faces when those ads played? Or, why the, or, or the way, right afterwards, they often discuss what kind of buns they preferred? <laughs> like, oh yeah. Or what, kind, what kinds of buns yeah. the franks preferred? They were yes. all about the dick metaphors of the hot dogs, so... Do you think that might be a bit of a, a thing to talk about how sexually repressed Cal's childhood was? I mean, I don't, Probably. I honestly don't believe that hot dog advertisements are that sexual. Okay, do you want Depends a piece of meat into. shaped like a dick that used to be pig's asshole? And then, like, oh yeah, that's going to do it for me. Or is it just a, when, you're, when your mind is drawn to sex, you just like find it everywhere? Like a teenage boy. I think looking back, it was probably something they noticed or, you know, Weird things that we don't think of as sexual can be sexualized. I, I don't know if her childhood was any more repressed than anyone's. Like, you don't really have a crazy sexualized life before the age of 10 unless something's gone wrong. Well, I remember when my parents used to make me hold the camera for their sexual acts, and I thought that was normal. Yeah. Right? That, that that's normal, that's yeah. pretty strange. There was like once my dad actually said that to me. Um, the way our house was, it was there on the second floor is their bedroom, a bathroom, and then my bedroom. But it wasn't like a Jack and Jill. It was like a separate bathroom. And I went out in the middle of the night, and their door was like half open. It was summer. The air conditioner was on. He meant to close it all the way probably, but he just didn't because he was a lazy piece of shit. It's like, Michael, come in here for a second, please. And him and my mom are watching. He and my mom are watching TV. He says, 
And he just says with his totally straight face without telling my mom, he says, Michael, your mother and I are going to make love. Can you just hold the camera right where you are there for a little while? (laughs) (laughs) I was like 15. And I was like, oh, gross, dude. Oh, my God. And then he and my mom laughed so hard for a long time. And he's like, just shut the door. Fucking disgusting. The legend. The legend of Bill. The legend of of Bill. So I wrote some notes, and we have to go quick, and I don't want to cut off anyone else's notes, but like some major things in the book. We've kind of talked about them. Um, But the first thing, this book is fucking dense with detail and, and stuff you don't need, you know? And one of the things I've been very critical of, like Stephen King, for example, of is giving us shit we don't need. Now, with Stephen King, I would say, I don't want it. <laughs> like, the detail he gives, I don't want. It's, it's stupid. Whereas this, I loved it. Like, if this it was book was so eight, well done. If it was yeah. 500 pages longer, I'd be like, that's just a lot of time, but I'm going to enjoy it. Like, I've read everything I could find of Jeffrey, whatever, Greasy Boy. It's, he's amazing. I don't know what it is, though. Like, what makes it good? That's There's my question like, both, like, so much detail and so much backstory of all of these characters like they but so much happens that it's never boring you like are totally like you feel for them and you like want to know what happens to them and want to know that they're okay and and things like that whereas stephen king just throws in a lot of bullshit about each character and you just don't care about but you still don't care about them i, I mean know. it could be that i just don't stephen king does the same amount of bullshit backstory but he turns out a book a year or more, and this guy spent ten years like really working on this thing. It's crafted, so yeah. it just it's just a matter of writing quality. But what? How do you distinguish that? You know, what is the writing quality? Like, what makes this higher quality? I don't know either. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's it's also different for everybody. Some people might fucking hate it's this. A, it, it's a it's a five hundred or almost six hundred page book that moves really quickly. Is what I would say. Whereas Stephen King, they he just. Yeah, it's just... It's, I don't know. It's, it's just Sometimes it feels like filler. But no, yeah. no, this, this felt filled out, but it didn't feel like anything was wasted. Yeah, I guess that's a, the difference, right? If Stephen King feels like he needed an editor with some balls to say, dude, you got to take this out. It doesn't serve a purpose. Whereas this, it felt like maybe that process already happened. Maybe the, the, the fat had been trimmed, but this was a tight... 545 pages or whatever it is like everything was there for a purpose which is not a sentence that happens often it's very rare to have a tight 500 pages (laughs) well i guess the difference is between you know to make it you know a real real classy analogy it's the difference between being thick and being flabby right like this is Mm. like there's there's some cushion here but you like it and if you're into that sort of thing yeah but stephen king it's just kind of like oh this is it, there's there's more here than needs to be. It's 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 not great. Yeah, none of this no felt unnecessary. Magic. No, even the stuff that was clearly unnecessary, like it didn't matter what happened to Jizzy, Jimmy Zizmo. A lot of it was unnecessary. Well, Jimmy Zizmo was the best one because he founded the Nation of Islam, and that's an absurd storyline. It is absurd, but, it's but it has no purpose at all. Like he could have just died. They could have just had him die. He could have just died in the fucking lake there. It would have saved. I don't know, twenty pages a book. Probably more. would have been fine. You know, yeah. the, the whole Nation of Islam section. Now, of course, Des, Desdemona learns more about, you know, reflects more during that passage. But that could have been reworked in somewhere else, I'm sure. But it's there. And you don't mind it. Whereas, I'm thinking like the stand we did recently. 
where like I don't give a flying fuck about how this guy used to write used to play in shitty bands like and then wrote one song like it doesn't matter it didn't matter at all this book was like uh i read it uh, a few years ago and when we were gonna do it i was like oh fuck i remember it's really good but it, goddamn, it's long and i was like i'll just you know breeze through it and <laughs> just because i didn't remember remote because there's so much to remember i only remember like very broad strokes but i found myself not wanting to breeze through it and i really once again, took my time like it was the first time, and I never wanted to rush yeah. ever. No one likes rush. Oh, rushing! Sorry, <laughs> no, no one likes rush. I felt the same way. As I said, this is not, this is not the first time I read it, and I really did not want to rush it. And I didn't finish it actually. But I'm not going to just be like, "That's eh, close enough." I'm going to finish it in the next day or two. Yeah, I. This was my second time reading it, and I was I was the one who was like, "Yeah." Let's do this book. I can't believe we haven't done this book yet because it's really, really good. We've been talking about it for at least favorites. a year, but we just yeah, we've been talking about got it. Around and like, it. oh yeah, that's a good one. We should do that. But you know what? This is this is the one. We even kept that into one of our past episodes. We're like, oh yeah, Middlesex. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't remember which one that is at this point. No one does. No one. The hardcore fans, the Patreon fans, know. We're drunk at the time. So another thought I had reading it is there's this element of especially with Desdemona, of fate and the gods and they're mad at us and the hubris of her, of she and Lefty thinking they can get married, even when that's wrong. And there's a lot of other Greek stuff. I know we made a lot of jokes about it, but there's like a ton of like Greek identity stuff, and which I have no, no way of knowing or understanding any of that shit as a, as a, as a not Greek guy. Did you pick up, like, did you, what did you think about that throughout the book? In terms of fate? Fate, the gods, Greek shit, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's it's all kind of like, there was something about um, how it was Cal, you know, metamorphosing, metamorphosizing, I don't know, changing. Changing. Over the course of the book. But like also it was the family changing from Greeks to Americans, like the, the immigrant experience in general. And everyone was kind of going through their own metamorphosizing. Metamorphosis is the noun. Yeah. I'm... I'm verbing the adjective, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, also there's something about fate because he's telling the story after the fact and he keeps alluding to things that will happen by the end of it. Like who, by the way, will end up doing this, blah, 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 blah. And, but we're going to have gotten right, the there very, yet. the very first couple of pages of the book is older, you know, 40 something year old Cal telling about, this is the story of how, of my music, my mutation and how I became this way. But and so he does give away the main plot point in the very beginning of the book, but then still makes the story. And this is what he talked about in his in that same interview. Talk about even though he gave away the main part of the plot, it was still surprising. It was still interesting. It was still you know engaging. It kind of reminds me of like mystery stories where you like you know in the beginning who the killer is, but it's like how did they get found out? You know, like you know Cal is going to shift from Calliope to Cal. But how does that transformation happen is much more interesting than the transformation itself in many ways. You know, like, I get it. Oh, it's, it's, he's raised as a girl, but he's actually a man. It's okay, the, fine. It's the journey, not the destination. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's the hero's journey? You said that like as if you have another is that a Greek thing? Is that a Greek thing? I don't know. It's the gyro's journey. The hero's journey. That's the, yes. that's the Joseph Campbell shit, you know, <laughs> where, like, every story is the same story, which I don't know if that's true or not, by the way. I shouldn't call it shit, but that's Joseph Campbell's shit. 
Yeah, we totally also left out Cal's modern day storyline where he's like dating the Asian chick. Yeah, I mean it's it's something that else, was probably the not, most the least interesting part of the book actually for me. It was, yeah, but it was probably mm-hmm. like one percent of the book yeah. overall. It was the I want to say it's called the the frame story. It's like here's the reason why you the reader here's the why here's why I'm telling you this story. Yeah, that's kind of like that was kind of its main purpose, but it itself had its own story arc. But it was a very small part of the book. It was it wasn't really very much. Though maybe there's some significance to the fact that Cal ends up being a German, living in Germany. Well, he works for the State Department, right? For, but like, so he he does mention not living uh, in America, yeah, like a, the, sim- the symbolism of you know living in a city that used to be split and it was now reuniting as one. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Right. And the fact that if if big part of the if one of the themes is you know the immigrant story, the Greek versus American identity, and Cal decides to be neither. Right. That's part of citizen of the world something in between exactly Indeed. the middle middle sex right like the house god damn jeffrey you jeffrey grease you put some <laughs> fucking thoughts into like this a book. ball of yarn yeah and and, and su- ball sufflaki, of yarn covered but... in tiny little pseudo dick <laughs> how else is yarn made i can't so i guess the last question is who should read it unless you have other questions guys everyone everyone yeah. Yeah, right, right. It. Like it, it, it's a hard. It is book if you're not a reader, though. Like you need some stamina. Uh, okay, I actually I would say that that there's so much that happens. The plot just keeps moving forward, and there's always something to be interested in and to know, wonder like what's happening next and stuff like that. So, uh, it really is a very fast paced book. It's just the fast pace keeps up for you know around 600 pages. I would agree. It's a great... I mean, I, I, my one thing I'm trying to say is it's a long book. And if I yeah. were a very inexperienced reader, I might f- find myself wondering throughout it, how much of this do I need to know? How much of this do I need to remember? You know, because there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And frankly, a lot of it doesn't matter in terms of the plot because Cal no. reminds you, the narrator reminds you of the stuff that matters. You know, like, you're never like... Oh shit! I forgot that there was a guy named Father Mike. Like he, he was there all along. Yeah, I, I so I, I think it's still actually very readable. No, me too. I mean, I read it in uh, as a when I was I don't know a college student, and I was not a great as good a reader then as I am now. And once I got into the story, it didn't matter how many pages it was. It didn't matter how many words I had to actually look up, which were quite a few. Uh, I just kind of yeah. went with it. Like this is cool. I want to know what happens. But it is like way smarter than you know the average book than virtually everything yep so i guess everyone should read it why don't you tell us what you yeah. thought send us an email to drunk guys book club at gmail.com follow us on twitter at drunk guys bc or go to facebook and instagram slash drunk guys book club and if you've listened this long you've probably already done so but why not just double check that you leave us a review and don't you know don't make it good or bad you know in between just don't give three stars. So, don't give a don't give a score in the middle. Settle on good. I can't, it won't hurt you. <laughs> and if you have a couple extra bucks you want to throw away, head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club where you could sponsor this show, help support the show, and get all sorts of fun bonuses for that too. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. <laughs>